Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Frederico, we are back with another series of Create a Generation. We are indeed, and we have a great first guest, and that is Aaron May Henry from the channel Aaron May Henry. So the best KPIs or goals that you can create in your business personally, I think are controlled or fixed goals, the ones that you have 100% control over. She is an excellent entrepreneur and has some amazing tips for you today, and I think we should get straight into it. Frederico, before we get started, we've been working really hard in the background on our own online course called Changer College, the online college just for content creators. Check it out at changercollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R college.com. Hey, we're joined by Aaron May Henry. Yes, hello. Are you hello. from Aaron May Henry or are you from the Game Changer Co? Well... In YouTube sense, I would say I'm from Erin May Henry, as that's the name of my channel. But you could say either, really, because the name of my company is The Game Changer Company, where I do all of my business from. But my personal brand and what I usually get like interviewed for and you know, whole YouTube and everything is all about is Erin May Henry. Really confusing, I know, but <laughs> it's Erin May Henry. It's either. It's whatever you like, really. All right. Let's go with both. Um, <laughs> and I love that you're not just Erin Henry. Honestly, I when I very first started my channel, I was like, Erin Henry is like the most boring name ever. I was like, what can I do to make it more exciting? I was like, no, I'm just going to use my middle name. So ever since, literally it was birthed out of the fact that I was like, my name is way too boring. It's way too vanilla. I don't like it. I'll just use my middle name as well. At least then I can have like three syllables. It's funny. Erin Henry does sound like a, like a like an author's name, like Erin Henry. Oh, okay. And then Erin May Henry sounds like a like a like a speaker's name. I'm like, oh, okay, Erin May Henry. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know what they say about people with two first names, right? You, what do they say about people with two first names? You can't trust people with two first names. Everyone knows that. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. What? It's a thing. It's, it's not. Thing. It's not a thing. And so I was, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm wondering, like. Like, if someone with two first names is really untrustworthy, what's someone with three first names? Like, may <laughs> massively trustworthy. And, like, and, it goes in reverse. Has quarantine destroyed your mind? Is it like, are you yeah. on like some, <laughs> some nut, nut, you're making up all the stuff in your mind? <laughs> and that is the elephant in our, our respective rooms because we are all in different places and we did take a break from recording podcasts, Frederico, and. In that break, all of a sudden, this crazy pandemic went everywhere, and now we're all in different places. So I'm in a different spot. Aaron's in Melbourne. I'm in Melbourne as well, but we're in different places in our self isolation. Fred, you're in in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we've all gone a little bit crazy. I think. <laughs> well, well I, I think you've gone a little bit crazy, but um... look, I've always been on the edge. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Aaron May Henry. Yes. But it's not about me. It's more about you. Um, let's talk YouTubing. What's your channel about? Yeah. So, I mean, my channel has gone through many a progression. I literally started doing fitness stuff back in the day. Um, but back now, in the day. Hang on back in the day, back in the day was 2014. So it's slightly as back in the day. Um, but yeah, so pretty much now what I do on my channel is like heavily focused on mindset specifically for female entrepreneurs. I do a little bit of business content here and there, things just like, you know, how to create a course, how to make more sales or how to feel confident making more sales. But like the main focus of my channel is like the mindset, the routines, the rituals, the time management, the productivity tips, 
for female entrepreneurs, specifically those working from home. Which is all of them now. <laughs> I like, know. I had a audience just increased. <laughs> I was thinking that I had a um had a meeting with someone the other day and they were like, oh my gosh, as if you're not smashing out the working from home content right now. I'm like, don't worry, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so it started with fitness though. What, what, what started that? Okay, so I was studying marketing and public relations at uni and I I know this is such a classic like entrepreneurial thing to say, but I really, really, really didn't want to go work for someone else or, you know, get a job. And I knew that and just before I graduated, there was this like, you know, compulsory PR summit that we all had to go to with all a bunch of speakers. And one of the speakers, I remember, I don't remember what their company was or who they were. I wish I did because honestly, I feel like I attribute so much of my success to them. But there was someone from the UK and they were like, if you want to, you know, ride this wave of the digital entrepreneur, you know, build something for yourself, the first thing you need to do is get online and build an audience. And I was like, you know, when you just hear something that stands out to you like you have to follow that advice so I took that so incredibly literally went home and the next day had my first YouTube video up but at the time I still didn't know what I wanted to do what type of business I wanted to start or anything like that so I just sort of built my channel around the only thing that I was really interested in at the time and that was kind of fitness because other than that I was just working studying and that was like my hobby at the time I guess you could say so yeah, I started doing fitness content, did that for ages. It wasn't very good. It didn't really get me very far. Um, I did hit a couple of trends, though, at the time with like the, I don't know if you know, the Kayla Zenas Bikini Body Guide. That was like really, really big at the time. So that kind of, yeah. <laughs> so that like my channel kind of grew from that in the beginning. Um, but then at the end of 2016, so during 2016, I had graduated from school. I had started my first business, like a social media marketing agency. I'd gone through this whole transition from that into my coaching business. And then I kind of brought my YouTube channel along with me. So at the end of 2016, I changed over to doing business mindset, personal development, all of that content. And then I've kind of, yeah, been doing that ever since and then running that simultaneously to my business. Okay, simple, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> is that, how, is that it sounds very easy. But like when you were making all like, you know, as a um, you know, PR marketing student and you were like having a crack at the whole build your audience with your yeah. um, fitness videos. Yeah. Um, did that like, did that help? Were you like did 100%. You achieve what you wanted to do there or was it just like shits and giggles? And what, what Yeah. No, I look, obviously when you change your niche so massively, like there is going to be a huge portion of that audience that don't come across. So when I was creating fitness and lifestyle content, I also was vegan at the time. So I was creating a lot of vegan recipes and things. And it was kind of like a transition from that into the business stuff. So naturally a massive portion of that audience, specifically those that were there for like the recipes and stuff, were just not interested when I started talking about, you know, Instagram statistics or, you know, your mindset or how to attract clients and things like that. But in saying that I had around 10,000 subscribers at the time. And when I first announced that I was going to be doing business coaching and that I was going to launch a business coaching business, pretty much straight away, I was able to fill all of the spots that I had available for clients because there still was a portion of that audience who just trusted me as a personal brand. You know, they'd seen what I'd done with my own channel. They'd seen what I'd done with my own business. They kind of followed along the journey of my own personal growth on YouTube. So even though 
they had originally followed me for the fitness stuff because I built that kind of no like and trust factor with them as a leader. Then when I was like, hey, I'm going to be doing this business coaching, I've got a degree in business, et cetera, et cetera. I was able to get clients straight away. You know, instead of someone who's just starting from the very beginning and they don't have an audience, they haven't built a platform for themselves and decide maybe I want to start a coaching business, you know, a freelance business, you know, they don't have that same opportunity that I did to fill out those spots straight away, even though my content had nothing to do with my business. So for anyone, I would say like, even if you don't exactly know what it is that you're going to do yet, just start creating some content because yes, there might not be, you know, every single person is going to come along with you for that entire journey, but there will be a portion of people who do. And that's going to give you such a bigger head start than if you just wait until you've got the perfect topic. Yeah, that's awesome advice. What about um, skills wise? Did you know how to make these videos when you started making the Pitsbo stuff or did you? And are your video, those old videos, second part of the question, are they still up on your channel? They are still up and they are horrendous. So prior to making my first YouTube video, I'd never ever really made a video in my life, except I used to always put like compilations of my pictures of my friends with like that vitamin C graduation song, like clip all these pictures of my friends together. That was like the max capacity of my video editing skills on Windows Movie Maker. And mind you, I hadn't done that since I was about 10. But honestly, my first video was horrendous like I was so nervous as well my background I was sitting on my partner's bench press without like washing on the ground filming on my laptop it was like hi guys today I'm going to talk about it was like me doing a school presentation that's exactly what it looked like but honestly then I just fully like became obsessed with learning about video editing. I watched so much YouTube, just the way that I learned a lot of how I edit and how I am on camera is purely just through watching other people. So I just watched a whole bunch of YouTube, you know, got ideas, got editing skills from YouTube as well. Like everything I learned, I learned from YouTube. And yeah, over time just kind of progressed. I think that's natural for so many of the creators that you go back and watch those first videos and it's just like, what is this? <laughs> but I keep them there because I like it. And especially now because I am a business coach and I help people with content creation and they're like putting all this pressure on themselves that their first video has to be perfect or that they have to, you know, be like Steven Spielberg before they ever even press record. And it's like, literally, I always ask people, go back and watch my first video and watch my most recent video. And that's going to make you feel better. Do you think the bar's higher now for people starting out than like when, when you got in the game? Or do you think it's okay for people to just come and be really shit ass and just learn on the go? Both, to be honest. I think that, yes, the bar is higher. I think that there is an expectation of quality now. However, if that's going to stop you from recording, then you just need to kind of let that go. You know, it's guaranteed that even if you do learn a bit, a bit about editing, you know, you are good on camera because maybe you've been doing stories or lives prior to this, like your first videos still aren't going to be anywhere near to what your later videos are going to be like. Everyone is always progressing. Like even when I did know how to edit and I did know how to be on camera in say 2017, 2018, my videos now are still much better than those. And I guarantee my videos in two years are still going to be better than the ones that I am putting up now. So I do believe that, yes, the expectation of quality is kind of higher, but also don't let that stop you from actually putting yourself out there. Just do what you can with what you've got now and learn along the way. Don't spend three years studying, you know, video production and then start because you're going to be so much further behind than if you just start today and learn through experience rather than just you know, watching a bunch of videos. 
I think that's um I think it was Matt Tabor mentioned on one of the previous uh, podcasts. It was like you know if you haven't created anything, who are you letting down? You like exactly. zero people, zero subscribers that aren't watching you and don't know about you. Exactly. Um, it's a very blunt way of putting it, but it's. Um, I think it, it holds true, and it, uh, it's a it's a it's a bit of a battle to get over, right? Like we, you're a pretty confident person, but in getting in front of the camera for the first time, are you like, was that easy? Is that just like you know? <laughs> Do you know what I think? Seems to hold you back in terms of talking to people, but you've been doing this for a while, so I don't know. Yeah, so I think I just had that kind of like blind naivety in the beginning. Like I was still really nervous. You could tell so in my video. I literally sound like I'm five. Like I don't know why my voice was so high pitched. But I, it didn't stop me because exactly what you said, like I didn't have any expectations necessarily of like, oh, I have this audience of 100,000. I was like, didn't know anything. I was like, hey, I watch YouTube. Maybe if I put up a video on YouTube, like something might happen. I hadn't really connected the dots in my mind of growing subscribers, growing an audience, views or anything like that. I was just watching YouTube because I watched all these fitness YouTubers and I was like, oh, I can do that. But there was no kind of, back-end thought to any of it. So I was super naive about it. And I know it's kind of different these days because YouTube is now like a career that a lot of people actually take as a path. But I think that if you drop all of the expectations, especially in the beginning, like I would just say anyone wanting to start now for business purposes, for becoming a YouTuber, like whatever your goals are, just say to yourself, look, I'm going to give it a year. I'm just going to create what I want to create. I'm just going to give it a red hot go. I'm going to learn as I go along. I'm going to just put stuff out there, be consistent. Like at the end of the day, you're not going to it's not going to hurt you or hinder you. You're going to have skills. You're going to build some sort of audience. You're going to have fun. So at the end of the day, you've just got to start kind of without that expectation. It's, it's actually, I think you've summed up about 30 of the other videos we've had very succinctly in the last 10 <laughs> what the minutes. What are we wasting our time talking to those people for? It's no, if, to the source. Yeah. Actually, if we can move, if we move on from, from the actual creation element more to the, the idea of entrepreneurship um, yeah. and, and sort of what that means to you, like how did you figure out like that you were an entrepreneur, like that was something that you, that, you know, you, you classified yourself as? I kind of always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I said in the beginning, as sort of cliche as it does sound, when I was studying and, you know, when you get sort of towards the end of your degree, they start getting you to think about what career path you might want to go down. And I was like, none of them. Like, literally, I don't want to do any of this. I want to do something for myself, but I just had no idea what that was going to look like. Um, And the first thing that came to mind, obviously, when I did graduate was social media marketing, because I'd had this YouTube channel for a couple of years. I was already doing social media marketing for a skincare company, just like a little side cashy job here. And then um, it was just a natural thing. I was like, I'm not going to go get a job. I'm just going to take a risk and just start this thing. Um, and then during that maybe six months that I did that, I think it was, I just realized like, this is not my passion. Like that's when I really dove deep into and started realizing that there were people out there, like not just having a job or not just starting a business because it was something that they were good at. Like there were people out there that were actually doing something they were passionate about. And weirdly enough, I still hadn't at that stage necessarily thought YouTube itself was the career because I had watched all these fitness YouTubers. Like they were all the people that I was watching and they had these personal training businesses. Like they had, they were selling meal plans. They were selling um, coaching. They were selling all these things on the side. Like to me, 
it wasn't until way later on that I actually realized like even like YouTube in and of itself with brand sponsorships, with AdSense and all these things could be the career. So kind of YouTube being the asset to something else has always been my perception of that journey. So then when I started realizing, wow, all these people are doing these things that they're really passionate about, that's when I started digging deep into, okay, look, I really don't love this social media marketing thing. I also had a lot of fear around promoting myself, like imposter syndrome and getting new clients. So that led me down that path of self-development. And then kind of, I realized that what I really wanted to do was coaching. I really wanted to help people. Like I came across life coaching and I was like, I felt I didn't have enough experience in that. So it kind of led me to business coaching. Um, and then YouTube has always been like the vehicle for that. Like, I guess just my biggest marketing asset to that business. So I kind of, I don't know, it's weird to say, but like, I kind of felt, I knew, always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but the way that it happened, I feel like I kind of like stumbled into it. But now, I mean, obviously now you've, you know, you've got a successful online business now, you know, I saw one of your recent videos, I think it was talking about how you make $20,000 a month, which I, which I will come back to, by the way. Um, but, you know, there's so much um, useful. Asking for a loan, Fred? What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's tough times. No, but, um, <laughs> Sorry, did I, I, I ruin your pitch on that? Sorry. <laughs> no, but, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, like, um, how much like this very niche of entrepreneurship and it's not even a niche but this area of entrepreneurship um is such a popular one on youtube um and so many people talk about it but i think i think as many people talk about it as succinctly as, as you do so how do, but how did you develop that in terms of you know it's a broad area how did you find like this is the helpful information i want to tell people and get out to them like how did you refine that process I think the thing that I started with was just understanding really who I wanted to speak to. I think that's important on YouTube regardless, no matter what kind of niche you choose or topic you choose. I think one of the more important things is really, really understanding exactly who you want to speak to. And I've kind of always just been more so drawn to helping women, helping female entrepreneurs, not necessarily from the perspective of, um, you know, I want to be an advocate for necessarily like raising women up in business. I thought, I think I've just always naturally communicated better to women. And so I saw that as kind of also a gap on YouTube being that there were only really a few people and no Australians talking about business for women on YouTube. Like there is a lot, a lot of guys, especially at the time, 2016, when I kind of started the business stuff, um, there was sort of Marie Folio. She's a big, um, you know, entrepreneur doing something kind of similar to what I do. And she was really the only one at the time who wasn't, you know, there are some people who I guess were talking about like Instagram or video strategy, but not business in general, running a business, the lifestyle of running a business, the mindset of running a business and all of that. So I kind of just went down that path, kind of ran with it and went down that path. And now I know that like there obviously are a lot more creators, but really at the end of the day, it's kind of just as corny as this does sound, it's kind of just like have having always followed my gut in kind of like what feels good. So it always felt good to me to just speak to women. And then I kind of backed that up with the research and the validation of there being a gap. So rather than always looking for these, that's the best opportunity on Mm. YouTube. That's the best opportunity in my business. It's like, what feels good? What do I want to do? And is there actually strategy behind this? Mm. It's interesting. You mentioned this, this element of the gut or your intuition. Like we, we often tell um, new creators, like YouTube is a big place. Um, your yeah. intuition is very valuable. You know, you want to follow so that, important. but but so you important. but you obviously want to develop the skill set around that to make it you know make yeah. or execute right because yeah, being an entrepreneur, you know that execution is everything. Um, yeah. And um, you know, this intuition element is so strong, and people feel that oh, I have this, and I can make this really great video, and we honestly believe you can. But what people often lack is the, is the skills um, around 100%. that, right? So. Well- 
Yeah. What I always say is like, I think you need both. Like some, especially because I'm quite into like the spiritual side of things as well in business um, and mindset and personal development, obviously. And people often ask me, you know, is it the gut? Is it the intuition? Is it the alignment? Is it all of that stuff? Or is it the strategy? And I say, it's not one or the other and nor is it a 50, 60, 70% split. It's one and then the other. Like Mm. with anything that you do, I think it's What's your gut telling you first? Like a video idea, a business idea, an opportunity. Like what is your gut telling you first? Figure that out. If it's a yes, if it's a no, if it's a good idea, do you even like it? Are you going to enjoy the process? Follow that first and then do the strategy after that. So even with a video idea for me, it's like I will always ask myself, like, what do I want to create today? And what do I feel like creating? What am I going to enjoy creating? And then I'll do the research. Then I'll do the SEO keywords. Then I'll go out and actually, is this a good time to create this video? Like, is there a trend I can tentpole on here? And all of this, it's not me going out first and being like, what's the best thing to create strategically right now? It's what do I want to do first? And then housing that in a strategy that I think is going to help me grow. Right. Um, speaking of obviously the area of you helping other people grow, um, you you mainly focus on female entrepreneurs, is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I do have a couple of guys here and there, but oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going. So, I'm going somewhere with this. It's, I'm just lead. I'm building it up. Uh, I just think it's, it's the context. It's the context. Yeah. Sorry, I ruined your flow. <laughs> this is the second I'm, time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I thought it was. Come. It needed to be pointed. Out. Uh, <laughs> like, the listener would be there going, dude. People start with that. Yeah, we, yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll move on because it's to destroy this. So obviously, um, it, it, it's been a it's been a period where, especially in the last uh, 10, 15 years, where this idea of entrepreneurship has become uh, more prevalent for, for females. Like you said, there used to be a lot of male um, entrepreneurs out there giving a lot of advice, but it's the uptake has been so enormous from what we can see, um, and it's so amazing to see, isn't it? Massively, massively. Like, honestly, I just feel like it's just getting started as well. Honestly, and it's huge and it feels like it's everywhere around now, especially with things that are going on in the world right now. Like so many more people have been reaching out to me wanting to start a business. Um, and I know I have a lot of friends who do a similar thing like business coaching and like online education specifically in this niche is just thriving at the moment. But I still have a feeling it's like in its infancy like people wanting to start a business, remote work, independent, free, like location style work, like all of that is, I don't know, as weird as it's to say, I think it's the way of the future. Like I really, really do. <laughs> and have you, have, well, you, have you noticed that there are some areas that, that draw female entrepreneurs in particular? A lot of coaching, for sure. I think because of, I guess, the nurturing nature of females, not to say that men aren't nurturing, but I think a lot of women really do want to help other people in that way, they really love to get deep into conversation, really help people figure out what their blocks are. Um, and again, not to say that men can't do that necessarily, but I think a lot of people, a lot of women are attracted to that kind of niche rather than the more strategic based. So I see like a lot of men when they get into specifically these E style businesses, you know, um, the marketing, um, you know, funnels, email marketing, all of that stuff, social media management. I find a lot of men naturally gravitate towards the more strategic stuff. So sales funnels, um, Instagram strategy and things like that, where a lot, a lot of women love coaching. Like Mm. they really love helping people being in these little small communities. Like I do a lot of group coaching as well. So I love that, especially for myself. I love, you know, bringing women together and having this little community and kind of everyone going towards their goals together. But in saying that again, like I've also helped a lot of women. One of my um, clients recently, she sort of helped people go through the commercial pilot training. So, I, I mean, it was still kind of coaching, but 
so many different niches. It's just absolutely incredible. Like I feel so blessed. I work with so many different types of women from all over the world on these amazingly like interesting businesses. Like it's just, it's so expansive, the people that I get to work with. I feel so lucky. Hey, Erin, what do you think of like the world has kind of been hit by this sledgehammer of COVID-19 of, you know, like everyone, like you said, this is the way of the, like this sort of thing is the way of the future of, you know, remote working, working from home. It's kind of like we've been, you know, the the converted have been preaching to the converted for a while, but now like this, this virus has pretty much sledgehammered this home. Um, Like, what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing happen? Like, you know, crystal ball or what do you like, what do you see happening in the short term and, and the, the long-term future of, of the way people yeah. work and the opportunities that like, you know, the, the digital sphere sort of provides in this yeah. new, new world. For sure. I see, I really do see because of this, a lot of companies realizing how much they don't need to be requiring you know, office spaces or necessarily teams working together and that they can actually trust their teams to be working on a more flexible schedule, um, you know, whether it's location independence or, you know, a couple of times out of the office a week. Like I really do think that companies, my crystal ball is saying companies will cut costs in that way when they realise that, you know, productivity maybe necessarily hasn't dropped so much. I mean, maybe it might for some industries, but I think when they realise that a lot of people actually can work from home and whether or not, it's hard to say it's necessarily raising morale because I know a lot of people are stressed and everything, but when they're realizing that it is a possibility and there are going to be some people that do want that flexibility, obviously there are other countries already in the world that obviously do let people work from home a couple of days a week. With that, what I think it's going to bring is a lot more people starting their own side hustles businesses because they're saving a lot of time on commuting, saving a lot of time going into the office. And so what I do think is there are going to be a lot more people coming online and wanting to start a business. And when that happens, obviously it just creates so much more room for innovation and creativity. You know, yes, there are a lot of kind of already established industries that people are starting businesses in but also a lot of people are innovating a lot of people are creating new uh opportunities a lot of people are creating um you know solutions to problems and so i think that the more people that i know this is kind of um not the best scenario to be in but the more people that have the time to think the more we innovate. And I'm mm. not sure you've probably seen the meme that's been going around, you know, of all the different businesses that started last time in a um, the global financial crisis, all the different businesses that started. Not only is that going to come from desperation because obviously people need to do something, but it's also coming from opportunities because now we're facing different problems, but it's also coming from time. You know, people, if they have been laid off, they want to do something, they want to put their skills to use. And so they get creative about that. And so I really do see like as much as it's, I don't want to say it's an exciting time now because I think that's inappropriate and I don't want to sound, you know, tone deaf, but I think that what's going to come on the other side of this is going to be really exciting for entrepreneurship. You're a little bit excited. It's okay. Yeah. But so people, so people at home who, if they do have extra time because of this total crap scenario that the world is in, yeah, like, is it like, is there a sense of urgency or is it like, take your time and and figure it out? This is that we're definitely here for the long haul. If anyone's sitting at home listening to this, thinking you'll be out next week, living your normal life, I'm sorry to break it to you, you won't. Um, But you know, is there a sense of urgency? Should people just like dive in head first, take their time, and figure out a strategy of what they want to do? What do you What do you think? Like, you know, someone's like, I've got this. Yeah, damn it, YouTube channel or side hustle or business. Like, what do you What do you recommend there? Look, from like a 
don't put yourself under any unnecessary stress perspective. I don't want anyone to feel like they're going to miss out if they don't create a YouTube channel tomorrow. However, just on the same note, understanding that obviously viewership on the internet is massively up right now. What people are searching for right now, like there's so many opportunities to solve people's problems right now. Like you have to don't force yourself to do it if it's not going to feel like the exact right time today. However, yes, I will say that there is a lot of opportunity. Although right now at the time of this recording, I think the dust hasn't even completely settled yet. So the next couple of weeks, people are still, you know, still adjusting. Like a lot of people are still adjusting um, to this new normal that, yes, I do believe we are going to be facing for a long time or at least the better part of this year. And so I believe there is time I think give yourself the space to heal from what you need to heal emotionally and stress and getting used to this new routine, but don't fall into the slump of, okay, my new normal is just, you know, doing my day job and then watching all this Netflix at night and then, you know, laying on the couch all weekends. If you have an idea, why not? Like, why not start it now? I feel like we've all been complaining about not having enough time for for as long as I can remember, every single day I hear someone telling me they can't start a business or a YouTube channel or an Instagram because they don't have enough time. And it's literally like we've all just been, it's like you know, somebody up there like listened and was like, oh, you don't have enough time, do you? So, you know, we've kind of all been forced into the fact that now we have more time than ever. No one's going anywhere. No one's commuting anywhere. You know, no one's able to, it sucks. Like I'm not saying it's obviously a good situation, but to look at the positive out of this, if there has been an idea that has been mulling around in the back of your mind, like there is no better time to start this now, especially if it has anything to do with creating online, because not only do you have the time to execute, do you have the time to learn? Like we're talking about video editing and all that before, like this is the time to learn those extra skills to accumulate any knowledge that you weren't, didn't have the time to do before. But on the receiver end of things, so many more people are out there seeking information, wanting to learn things, just wanting to watch stuff, you know, edutainment style content at the moment where you teach, but also be entertaining is like massive. So don't put the pressure on yourself is the answer to my question, but also on that, just get it done. <laughs> Obviously it's, yeah. a, it's a good time to build an audience. Um, and you talked Very about how, so. how, how important audience building was. I mean, it's, it is obviously the, especially for an online creator, YouTube creator, audience is everything. Um, like everything. let's talk about that for a little while in terms of audience development, audience creating, how, how did you build your audience and what would you recommend for people out there in building an audience if this is the time to build it? The first thing you need to start with is obviously solving a problem. I think the trap that a lot of people fall into, especially with YouTube, is I'm going to create content. They start looking at a lot of the big creators that they follow and they love who already have an audience, maybe creating content that's more self-focused, like this is my morning routine or these are the facts about me or watch me vlog and things. But in the beginning, obviously, you know, people aren't necessarily as interested in you, but what people are interested in is solutions to their own problems. So whatever topic, whatever niche, whatever idea that you have, just sit down and understand like, what are all the things that I can teach people relevant to this? The easiest format of video, obviously in the beginning is how-to lists, um, tutorials, things like that. Just focus on solving people's problems in the beginning. Like the more helpful that you are, the more people are going to grow to like you, grow to trust you, grow to know you. And that's what's so important for that audience growth and engagement. But honestly, I think the reason why I was able to grow my audience, why even though I was in a totally different niche and then people still trusted me is because I've genuinely always cared about the individual in my audience. I've never seen them as like this massive collective 
group of numbers, like I always, as much as possible, really try to individualize my audience, like take the time to really respond to them, take the time to ask them, reach out to me on Instagram. Like let's have a chat. As soon as the voice note feature was available on Instagram, I was voice noting my audiences back every time they asked me a question. And I think that as long as you are there providing value, individualizing this audience, like that is the best way to grow. And obviously then later on, as you do have a bigger audience, then you can be a little bit more flexible and a little bit more you centric in your kind of content creation, but just being helpful. Like that is the best way to grow an audience being helpful. Yes. There's some strategy behind that, the SEO of your videos and things, but at the end of the day, as long as you're like, Hey, I know who I want to speak to. I know what they're struggling with and I've got solutions to their problems. I'm going to create a video to help them with that. And you do that consistently and consistently being the key there like you will grow. How long it takes is going to be different for every single person. You've just got to be patient. But if you just stay consistent and just stay helpful, you will grow. Good advice. (laughs) Speaking of that, you know, like building an audience and and how big do you think that needs to be to be valuable as a, you know, to someone to be able to leverage that and make it. (laughs) How big does your audience need to be to be valuable? Yeah. I mean, it's worth (laughs) investing your hard you know, well, maybe you might have infinite amount of time at the moment, but let's assume not everyone has infinite time, but you know, yeah. Is, you know, is it, is it worth building an audience of a hundred people? Is it, um, do you need 10,000, a hundred thousand, half a million? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely down to perspective and goals, I guess at the end of the day, like I think having an audience of 10, like if, if you could have a $10,000 program and every single person of that could buy it, you know, it's, it's completely, completely down to like what your goals are, what your um, perspective is, how much you see those people as people versus like actual numbers on the screen. Like I know for a lot of people, like the massive audience, the vanity metrics, it means a lot to them. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like if you really, really want to grow a massive audience, you want to have that kind of cult culture around you and like really be seen as a leader. And that's your goals. Like who am I to judge? Like that's your goals and that's fine. But from an entrepreneurial perspective, hundred, a thousand, 10,000, half a million. It's just the way that you engage with that audience and how you choose to monetize it that matters at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like you could add value to two people and then your content's still worth it. I mean, what if you put a inspiring video out there and someone who's really struggling, really on the edge, watches it and they're one view and their life completely turns around. And the knock-on effect from that is that they end up going and, you know, becoming a nurse and saving a bunch of people's lives or a doctor and saving a bunch of people's lives. You don't know. Like, you know what I mean? I think any piece of content and anyone who finds that valuable is playing a great part in the world at large. But at the end of the day, how big does your audience need to be is going to be dependent on what your goals are. Awesome. But it's good to know that, you know, it's, I think it's good for people to know that it's not this magic number of once you made no, 10,000 no, no, no. subscribers on YouTube, then you can make bank or you can you know make it sustainable it's like yeah it's like it's, i think it's yeah it's a it's a interesting point like it's what what are your goals and objectives and how much value can you bring to 100 people is yeah well i mean i know so one of my clients that i worked with um a couple of years ago who's actually a good friend of mine now uh, she doesn't have a youtube channel um she's re- like had a had a podcast but i didn't think it's necessarily her biggest thing but she has like at the time, like 2,000 people on her Instagram and she was able to make six figures in her first year of business because it was just those 2,000 people just love what she did. She launched the right products to the right people and it obviously worked out. 
I really don't think there's any magical number because on the same accord, I know people with really big platforms who just don't have the right product. They maybe weren't niche enough. And so therefore, you know, their audience is kind of made up of people who are just like, eh, this is kind of nice. And so when they go to sell something or when they're trying to create opportunities for themselves, there's no depth there. You know what I mean? Like they have the width, but they have no depth. And so it's not to say that one person just because they have half a million subscribers is going to be more successful than someone who has 2,000 people on their Instagram because that's just not the case. And successful, but I mean financially, you know what I mean, business-wise, because, again, success is measured by whatever your personal goals are. Totally. So we had a, a question from um, someone in the audience who wanted to ask specifically something for you, and she asked, um, as, a, um, as a creative, how do you actually determine your own KPIs? Like, is it in terms of views or finance or what, what does success look like for you? And, uh, and how do you measure if you're going in the right direction, which is, I think, a, an excellent question. Yeah, that is such an excellent question. For me, it's definitely project specific. Um, so each quarter I kind of sit down and be like, okay, what's my main focus for this quarter? And I try to really choose two projects that I'm going to work on, whether that be a launch in my business. And obviously then the KPIs are going to be relevant to that launch. How many enrollments did I get for my webinar? How many of those converted into an actual sale? Um, but on YouTube specifically, like at the moment, my focus or one of my focuses for this this specifically time that we're in right now is actually to grow my YouTube channel. And so like the KPIs that I'm specifically focusing on at the moment is like my click through rate because I'm really testing out my thumbnails and things like that. Um, and my retention rate as well. Like those are just the kind of two things that I've focused, that I've chosen to focus on. So I wouldn't necessarily say overall in my business and my YouTube channel, there's just this one KPI that I'm always working towards. I know kind of the main areas of my business. Obviously, there's making money. Obviously, there's my platform growth. Um, but, you know, one quarter I might work on public relations and getting myself more speaking opportunities. Obviously, I wouldn't do that right now because it wouldn't be worth it. Um, I was supposed to be running an event. So then a lot of my KPIs would be focused on actually, you know, bums on seats. So at the end of the day, it's just going to be dependent on kind of like, yes, I've got these main areas that I focus on in my business, which is my platform growth, because that leads into obviously my impact and the income that I'm able to make in my business. But, you know, a lot of quarters I will be doing a launch or I will be um, doing some type of other business activity. And so my KPIs are going to be KPIs are going to be like specifically focused on those. But I guess like for someone starting out and for someone who's really wanting to kind of like um, build a business simultaneously, simultaneously to having a YouTube channel, you've just, again, it's, I know I keep saying this, but it's going to come down to your own personal goals. If you want a massive platform, because maybe you have, uh, you do music, you know, for example, and you know that you want to get more streams or more downloads. I don't know if that's the correct terminology. I don't have any clients in music, but, um, you know, that's maybe like what you really want to focus on. And therefore you obviously need lots of views, then getting more views on your YouTube channel is going to be the thing that you focus on. You're going to sit down and you're going to look at your videos and you're going to be like, did it get the views that I thought it was going to? If not, why not? What can I improve? But if yours is that, okay, so I want to sell, um, you know, three coaching or uh, three freelance packages. Say you're a graphic designer and you want to sell three freelance packages. Maybe your KPI is going to be focused on, yes, I'm going to put content out onto YouTube, but how many people actually signed up for my free downloadable? Because that'll get more people onto my email list. And obviously then I can sell them into my packages. So really just determining for you what your goals are. It's so different for every single person, what they're focusing on, what they're wanting to work on, what they're wanting to grow, what they're going to want it to improve. But kind of like, obviously the main ones are your growth, your um, conversions, and obviously then like sales. They're kind of like the three main areas of which KPIs would fall under. That is a good response to a, a good question. Um, 
Great question. <laughs> can I back that up? Um, should you have KPIs? Should everyone have, like, maybe they don't have to call it a KPI if they feel shitty about that, but should some, everyone have something that they say, this is what I'm going to be held accountable to do? Yeah, so I would actually never call them KPIs. I only know what a KPI is from when I used to work at Baker's Delight and we had daily sales KPIs <laughs> <laughs> when I was like 16. Oh, gotta get those um, bacon and egg rolls out the door. A of... <laughs> wastage KPIs. Um, no, so I would never, ever call them that. I actually have also recently started kind of like changing the way that I do things in my business as well personally because I think that it's really easy to get let down when we're setting variable goals all the time. So variable goals being things like I want to get X amount of views on YouTube, you know, you can't control that 100%. Like I want to make X amount of money. At the end of the day, it's down to the decision-making of other people. I What I try to do and what I try to focus on is more sort of fixed or controlled goals or like projects that I'm actually doing in my business. So if it's like... I'm going to upload two videos a week, uh, every single week for this month. Like I know that if I don't achieve that, it was 100% in my control. And that is going to lead to an outcome because I know the more consistent that I am, the more that obviously it's going to get results. But at the end of the day, I'm able to evaluate what happened if I didn't achieve that goal so much more effectively because it was 100% in my control. I think a lot of people, they set these goals like I want to grow by 1,000 subscribers this month. And there's so many variables that come into play as to whether you can grow a thousand subscribers. You know, are you uploading at the right time? Like, was it the right content? Were there any were there any other events that affected the type of content that you created? You know, just so many different things that are outside of your control. And that can feel really discouraging. And it's really hard to evaluate the effectiveness of that. So the best KPIs or goals that you can create in your business personally, I think are controlled or fixed goals, the ones that you have 100% control over. If you wanted to lose weight, rather than saying, I want to lose X amount of kilos, do I'm going to work out 30 minutes a day every day, you know? So then at the end of the day, if you didn't do it, you know why you didn't do it, and you can try to improve upon that. But it's just so much more motivating. And honestly, as corny as it does sound, like my main KPI or goal at the end of the day is just having fun. And like, I know that that, again, going back to that, like gut check or that intuition, like, yeah, it's fun to make money. It's fun to grow on YouTube. It's fun to do all of that stuff. But also I've got to a lot of those milestones, you know, the 100K subscribers, the 100K year and all of those things. And the moment of achieving those things literally lasts about a second. But enjoying the process of creating a video or having fun when I'm on a group coaching call. I can't measure that with a KPI, but like that's the stuff that's actually worth it. So I think that, yeah, it's important to kind of strive for things and to improve and to develop and to set these fixed and controlled goals that you can kind of evaluate your progress. But also at the end of the day, it's like, am I having fun? Because all of this really, it's there's so much risk involved with all of this stuff. And if it's not fun, it's kind of not worth it. That is such an awesome ending to the question because that was really 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 valuable in terms of like enjoying the process because so many people are so fixated on oh i want to get this many subscribers or you know this many views and yeah that is an an awesome way to look at it um yeah erin before we go i have uh one more question um which is probably going to be the most important one we asked here today um briefly knowing who ant and myself um if we were to start individual oh, businesses as, in, as entrepreneurs, what do you think businesses do? would we start um, individually? What business do you think would suit us? So definitely Ant would be like online comedy. I think that you'd be really a great <laughs> comedy coach. I like um, 
100%. And you could probably be his roadie. I would be his roadie. I'd go around with him, yeah. I've seen Petron lift stuff. It's just... No. Was that a serious question? I don't know. Like, seeing as we, like, run a a business already and Aaron didn't go anywhere near (laughs) what we do... I would like, change is gone. Yeah, we're, we're all about comedy. That's what that's what Aaron thinks of this uh, interview. It's uh, it's a bit of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think if you if you did know well, and properly, uh, Aaron, you know he's a he's a deeply unfunny man. So um, dad, just terrible dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys should just keep inspiring people to share their passions with the world through YouTube. How about that? That sounds good. Aaron, we um yeah, we normally ask for top three tips from people sort of to, to share with aspiring creators. But I think yeah, we do a, a COVID nineteen special of, of dealing with isolation. Um I reckon you you'd have some pretty good tips around that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I do, definitely. So top three isolation tips is the top two, one hundred percent, are contradicting to one another, but so important because Humans really do thrive off, obviously, routines, rituals, consistency, um, but they also thrive off, like, newness, essentially. So what I think is really important is that as much as you possibly can try to develop a routine, you know, even if it's the smallest thing, like, every single day when I wake up, I'm going to do these three things. Like, for me, it's moving my body in some way, even if it's just taking my dog for a walk, like, getting ready and then also like planning out my day. Like if I don't do those things, I'm going to be so thrown off. Even on the weekends, I'm trying to do that as well. Like as much as possible, just trying to make that distinction between like sloppy, gross couch, bed me and like productive, normal human being me. Um, But trying it as much as possible, like morning routine, night routine, like try to finish work at the same time. Cause it's really easy. You know, you've got your laptop there. Maybe you're on the couch pillow and you're just like typing away until 11 PM. It's not healthy. It's not going to be healthy for anyone in the long run, especially. So as much as you possibly can try to create certainty through routine because we need certainty. We also need uncertainty to feel happy, to feel fulfilled, to feel growth and all of that. So in every single day, try to find some type of newness. Like, I don't know, it could be anything, playing a PlayStation game that you haven't played before if you have a PlayStation. It could be learning something new on the internet. You know, for me, I like, as corny as this sounds, but I started like taking notes in a different way, using highlighters, and that was just really exciting for a few days. Like doing a different makeup style if you're into makeup, like whatever it may be, just every single day just trying to find something that feels fresh, that feels new. I know it's hard being in your house, staring at the same wall, staring at the same people every day, but even the littlest thing can make such a positive difference. But then also my third thing is as well as like take any guilt away and any pressure off yourself right now. Like, um, you know, like we said in this episode, like, yeah, it is really important that people understand there's so much opportunity now. But I think what's going to be even worse is layering yourself with more stress, more anxiety, more pressure and guilt that isn't necessary. Like if you want to take a day to be a total slob, take a day. No one's going anywhere. No one's doing anything. Although opportunity is moving fast, the world is obviously also moving really slowly as well. So I think back to that intuition kind of thing, just like listen to what you need. If you need a day to be a slob, you know, sometimes it's like a bow and arrow, right? You need to pull back to be able to fling forward. So if you need a day to just relax and rest, do that. If you want to be productive, do that. As much as possible, try to listen to yourself, but just let go of the guilt, like the guilt that other people are doing home workouts if you don't feel like doing one, the guilt that other people are creating more content if you don't feel like doing it. Like, yes, you want to also call yourself out when you are procrastinating, but at the end of the day, just guilt is going to layer to the stress you're already feeling and that isn't healthy for the human body. So 
Stop feeling guilty. That is actually awesome. That is, that is a really good tip. As he was saying that, I'm like, oh, that's good. That is actually very I was good. Just like nodding vigorously, but yeah. people, more like biting my lip. Is like, yeah, we can till eleven o'clock on the couch. It's year. not healthy. It's uh, so easy to do, uh, but it's so not good for you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's, and that's the thing as well. I think like entrepreneurs and YouTubers there's always going to be more work to do. And I think it's really easy to feel guilty. Like I'm sitting on the couch and I'm playing PlayStation when I should be, you know, working or filming or researching, but like the work that we do is a never ending loop. Like it's never going to stop. So unless you create the boundaries and the routines for yourself, you can fall into really bad patterns, which is going to lead to burnout. It's going to lead you not being creative. It's going to lead you not being happy and fulfilled, which in the end of the day is not helping anyone. So like you have to create those boundaries for yourself, those routines for when you're going to work and when you're going to rest, especially because now kind of like the whole concept of time, I feel like it's been just thrown out the window you know what i mean days night night day weeks are like months i don't know like i just i personally feel like there's like no concept of time other than the time that you create the routines that you create for yourself definitely i think the uh there's only yesterday today and tomorrow are the only days of the week that we have left <laughs> that's true <laughs> um awesome well aaron thank you so much for joining us on creator generation it's been awesome it's my absolute pleasage Thanks, Thanks so much. for having me.